three, two, one. Welcome to the David the Dog Trainer podcast, episode one hundred and forty-eight. What's good? <laughs> I'm dried out right now. You dried out, dude. We yeah. boiled our innards yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we had the uh, Miracle K9 Christmas party at Kalahari, which is an indoor water park. And uh, I think all we did was 99% of the time we were in the hot tub for hot like tub. six hours. We had that private hot tub cabana. Yeah. Just boiling our innards. <laughs> yes. Hours and hours. Dude, I literally like, I got home and was like, if you would stretch, I felt like the skin. Like, <clears throat> You know what else was really gross is, you know, when you go to a water park and like yesterday I got home and like I felt like there was just a film all over my entire skin, <laughs> yeah. which is just all of the chlorine yeah. build up, just probably clogging every pore oh, that yeah. I have. Yeah. <clears throat> That's why they said they they're like we uh, if you read that book oh yeah like, it said before and after you go in make sure you shower yeah, <laughs> and yeah it's yeah. true man I can't imagine if you didn't my hair my hair is like feels like straw yeah yeah I think it went off like a hitch yeah I think it was everybody great. had a good time yeah you it was know? really great when we first presented the idea the range of emotions were everybody's like excited at first then we were like wait a minute is this actually a good idea <laughs> I think everybody was like a little weird about it yeah. <laughs> initially yeah. I get that. Which I understand, but everybody yeah. wound up having a good old time. Yeah, I think most of the people said they, they hadn't been to Kalahari since they were in like great, like like middle school or something. I only went one time, and I literally don't even remember when it was. Yeah. It was fucking forever ago. <laughs> Probably yeah. at least nine years ago, I would guess. Yeah, but it was it was a lot of fun, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that cabana you got was the perfect perfect thing for that. So. It was perfect. Yeah, yeah have, good, perfect size, too, I feel like. Yeah, having the private hot tub was sick with the waterfall that's right man and the food was pretty good. good yeah you know what, else, what else what the hell do you want for a water park food beside like burgers <laughs> and chicken tenders yeah you know? <laughs> yeah even do those wings though those wings are fire actually really really good yeah i liked them a lot yeah so so it was solid <clears throat> so you know anybody that's listening if you come work at miracle canine we'll take you to calhari so, yeah. you know, that's all the, the job incentive we provide. <laughs> <laughs> a fun Trips work environment in Kalahari. Once per year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, that sounds good yeah. to me. Well, so today <clears throat> what we're going to do is, so obviously the YouTube channel continues to grow. We continue to get new viewers. We continue to get really great engagement yeah. from everybody <clears throat> um, in the comments and stuff. So, um, you know, one thing that inevitably always comes with you know, YouTube and the comments and stuff like that is people asking questions, obviously, or, you know, just commenting in general and being, being a part of the discussion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously, you know, I could spend four hours, you know, writing out elaborate long responses to like every single person that comments on our page, but that's not very time practical, obviously. Mm -hmm. So there are certain comments or questions or things like that that come through that I always say, you know, like being able to provide just a, a little additional context or clarity behind um, these answers or these replies, you know, would be really nice. Or some of them just spark a really interesting discussion, obviously. Mm -hmm. So today what we're going to do is I pulled up a handful of just comments that we've received on the channel over mm -hmm. the last handful of episodes. Um, and I'm just going to take a little bit of time reading them, giving our thoughts on them, uh, providing some additional clarity or context on whatever answers or comments that I might make uh, regarding them. And we'll kind of see what we get with, with that. So yeah, that's the plan here today. Yeah. First of all, I think you're the only <coughs> YouTuber in history that actually goes and replies to everybody. Bro, 100% <laughs> of them. 
Yeah. Literally across, like we are not too big yet <clears throat> where every single comment or fucking, you know, message that we get on any social media channel, I reply to guys. <laughs> I reply to every single one I know. of them. I'm, I like look at him like, Jesus, man. I think it was when we had the, the dog trainers podcast guys on. Yeah. I think he mentioned something like that. I don't remember if it was on the episode that he was on here or the one where I was on theirs. But at some point he said, man, like you reply to everything. <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah, I do. Yeah. You kidding me? Like, yeah, is that part of your morning routine there? Is dude, it-, it, it actually is. So every day, my first thing that I do when I start work, quote yeah. unquote, right, is I go through just one at a time and I clear all of my notifications. So I start with the emails. I go through, clear all my emails out, right? Then I go into messages and I just go like in order of the freaking app. I go business suite. Do, do, do. good youtube i don't have to go to because then i get hit with the emails yeah um messenger facebook tiktok instagram you know go Jeez. through all those right <laughs> then i come on down any missed calls that i need to reply back to and yeah. i go into text messages any text messages that i need to reply to and i fucking clear out every single one of those things Jeez. and i'll tell you from a business practice if you just make that the first thing you do every single day when you start your work day you will find that you are so much more productive because you'll never find yourself constantly getting behind on stuff. Because mm-hmm. I I know from the from past past me right yeah. when I didn't used to do that or I used to kind of do it when it was convenient to do yeah. it I would run into at least like once a week or once every other week a time where there like three days would go by and like I would I would accumulate five days worth of fucking you know messages and and comments and stuff like yeah. that that I wouldn't reply to and then it would take me an entire day to catch up on all of it yeah. and then I'd set myself back on my actual work day and just by making sure I go through and I get every everything everything right it's not like oh i'm just gonna get the emails now yeah and i'll do the the social media later it's all of it is a part of the routine i'm never getting myself to a point where i get so behind Mm -hmm. you know and it puts you in a position where your response time to people obviously goes down your uh uh, your your contact time on like new leads and stuff that Mm -hmm. come in hits a point where it's almost immediate generally speaking i get back to people easily within 12 hours but usually within the hour or so right because mm-hmm. in the morning when i clear it out i'll see a new one come in and as soon as it comes in the second i have a free minute to do it i'm doing Boom. it yeah. right which results in more sales obviously which results in the business growing which results in happy customers right like yeah it's just like it's the number one key that if you could just <clears> sit <throat> down and just fucking do that before you start anything else you'll be fine yeah you know yeah actually i, I just <laughs> had a good uh situation of that uh, i had What's this that? Had this donut truck hit me up. A donut truck. Yeah, they they uh, <clears throat> they're having like a presentation at a wedding expo at the end of the month, so they need a little video and some f- photos to present to. Mm-hmm. And uh, they messaged me, and it, and it went to my um, request box. You know, hit your request box and yeah. hit your spam boxes too. Yeah, and all of those channels. Make sure you check it. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get the notification for it. Yeah, yeah, and. I hit him up literally within the hour, and and then uh, they're like, they, "Oh, thank you for the quick response." And then wow. I said, "Yeah, send me an email. It's easier for me to contact you, whatever." And then they said it again. They're like, "We can't believe how quick you got back to us." I'm like, 
Yeah. Like, it blows people's mind <clears throat> when you call them back in a timely fashion. I don't know if it's just like society has created such low expectations for people as far as like business response time. I know for me it is. Like nothing drives me crazier than when I reach out to a business and it takes them like four days for them to get back to me. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm trying to give you my money. Yeah. Just call me back. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I think that starting off on the right foot like that and like already like over impressing right at the beginning mm -hmm. uh, helps to continue to build trust as well because it shows you're professional and you're timely. Yep. You know what I mean? And if you're professional and timely, that's going to be the type of person or place that somebody's going to want to spend money with. Yep, you know? exactly. So that shit goes a long Don't way. Don't give man. them those business days. I know. Shit gives them. Yeah, no, honestly, though, like, just yeah. fucking call people. Yeah. You know, call them right away. <laughs> uh, right. Especially, like, I, I feel like also, like, so <laughs> many people, like, try to play this game of, like, oh, well, I have to set these, like, I have to set these work boundaries of like, I only call people during, you know, fucking business hours, you know, my Monday through Friday, like, you know, five to seven or whatever the fuck, you yeah. know, whatever, whatever yeah. your standard business hour, they're like, I only call within that. And, you know, my personal time is important. So, you know, I'm not going to call them outside of that. Oh, but Lord. all those motherfuckers are the same people that are complaining that they're not getting business, yeah. complaining that their business isn't growing. Mm -hmm. They don't have any fucking customers. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, it's like, listen, like you got, like, if you were telling me you're fucking Jeff Bezos, like, you know, like, like operating Amazon and, and you wanted to only make phone calls during business hours, like that would be one thing. But like, <laughs> I can guarantee you 99% of the businesses in the greater Cleveland area are not like that. Yeah. And also I bet you fucking guys like Jeff Bezos are still replying back to people in a more timely fashion than you are. <laughs> you know, like, that's why they're so yeah. fucking big. <laughs> that's so, true. Oh, yeah. It's called efficiency, you know? Very much so. So whatever. So there's our first topic. Yeah, I like that. All right, so let's get into some of these questions here. So, or comments, just things I want to highlight, right? So, so here's one. I got this. This was, looks like maybe a week ago, right? Actually, so this person first commented on this video that we posted of us with the pot cakes mm -hmm. and uh it was a video of us uh working through like nail trimming issues yep. right did a whole video on it start to finish how to take your dog from being horrible with nail trims to really good with nail trims right so this guy commented four weeks ago and i'm not gonna read the whole comment but you know he said hey sorry if this is covered in a different uh video i just came across this channel about a month ago he started asking about the difference between nail clippers and a dremel what specific sandpaper grit we use to file the nails etc just a lot of questions yeah. on the process right so i think i sent them back a little bit of a reply just getting into you know uh the reason why I like dremels versus nail clippers which to make it really clear for everybody the risk in using a dremel is much much lower than the risk in using clippers yeah. right with clippers it's so freaking easy to cut the dog's nails too short mm -hmm. and then there you got a bleeding mess and it's a disaster you set your training back so far because the worst thing that you could do when you're doing nail trims is reassure the dog <laughs> that something painful is about to happen yeah. right <laughs> Uh, and listen, I've been there, done that. I used to be team nail clippers, right? I used to love yeah. nail clippers. I was so comfortable with them. And I was just hesitant to move to the Dremel because I didn't know much about it. And I felt like I was really good with the nail clippers. And I literally remember this one time. <clears throat> I'm sure I've shared this story before, but I was uh, I was doing Vinny's nails, my Malinois. And I had like 10 minutes before a lesson, right? And I'm in the front room at the old facility in South Euclid. I'm just cutting his nails. Or I was in the back room, I think. I'm cutting his nails, right? And I finish and I threw him in the front room to clean up in the back for this lesson that was going to be coming in. And I poke my head into the front room just to check on him. This is like lesson's going to be coming in in like five minutes, right? 
and it looked like a murder scene up there. <laughs> Bro, there was like blood everywhere. Oh like the God. entire floors, and Vinny paces around everywhere. So there's just blood all over the floor. It's splattered up on the sides of some of the walls and shit. Like it was brutal. And if anybody has here has like cut their dog's nails too short and actually like quick their dog, you know how bad that shit bleeds. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I look at him, I'm like, holy shit, right? Yeah. So I grab him. I obviously put some septic powder in the nail to like stop the bleeding. And I, I put him in a crate and I'm just like up there with a fucking mop, just cleaning everything. Like, please don't walk in yeah, well, to I'm this like blood. <laughs> scene of a bloody mess, like in the front of my training facility. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> and, and listen, this was like, I thought I was really good with nail clippers and I, I was pretty good with nail clippers, but I screwed up and I cut one of his nails too short. And you know, luckily Vinny, he didn't make too big of a deal out of it or anything like that, yeah. but it was a fucking bloody mess. And I'm sure that set me back a little bit when I, when I started doing his nails again, then after that, right. Mm -hmm. so no matter how good you are with them the risk is always there especially you know Vinny has dark nails you can't see the quick through it right mm -hmm. you got to kind of guess every time you go to cut right with the grinder you're obviously able to file them back and like your dog is going to start letting you know when you start getting quick to the you know close to the quick obviously before you ever cause any damage to it and the way that the dremel functions let's say you do accidentally get to the quick because of how much heat is there it's your dog's going to squirm and the heat from the dremel will stop it from bleeding mm -hmm. like i've i was trying to think about this the other day i don't think i've ever seen a situation with a dog where the dog has been quicked to the point of bleeding everywhere with just a dremel yeah right <clears throat> so so that's why i like the dremel as far as the sandpaper grit and stuff you can use whatever kind of sandpaper grit you want just keep in mind if it's more coarse it's going to take off more nail quicker so you mm -hmm. can't go super long obviously and if it's finer it's not going to grind as easily and it's going to create a lot more heat right mm -hmm. so anyways that's the reason why i like the dremel as opposed to the nail clippers right but this guy was asking a bunch of questions on it he said his dog was really bad with nail trims so he commented back six days after that right mm -hmm. or not six days that was four weeks ago he commented six days ago okay with an update <clears throat> he said just tried this out for the first time today i have two large german shepherd huskies one large german shepherd rottweiler and one large blackmouth cur that has a very hyper-aggressive personality. I went into this a bit anxious because of how poorly trimming their nails has gone in the past. In the first round of basic exposure, and he put in parentheses, just barely grazing uh, the, each of the nails, which is you'll see in the step-by-step -step video, that's one of the steps, he said it went great. Thank you so much for the great information. I really appreciate how you showed the entire process rather than speeding through and cutting up the video, only showing the end result like most YouTubers would. Thanks. So... He's got big dogs, too. <clears throat> got some big dogs. Yeah. Obviously, he said he was anxious going into this because the dogs have all been pretty bad <clears throat> with having their nails done in the past. And a lot of times, the reason why it goes poorly is because lack of preparation, mm. right? And because the way that I break down some of this kind of stuff as far as step-by-step, step, this is what you do, this is what you do, this is what you do, it allows you to not rush into the later stages and get your preparation aligned with the earlier steps, mm. right? So it, it goes smoother. Yeah. Right. We had another client that was uh, very similar to this. We had this dog, Louie, come in for a follow-up lesson because she needed to have the dog's nails done. Right. And this dog fucking talons. Like he, she's never been able to do the dog's nails before. He's always given her a hard time with it. So I did this same step with him. She came to the facility. I showed her the step and it was so 
minimal conflict. He was so good with it. Once we did the step-by-step process, we showed her how to do it. We got all the nails grinded, no resistance or anything on his end. And she was just shocked. Right. Mm -hmm. And I explained the exact same thing is when you have an approach that focuses on the preparation, you avoid all the conflict because here's where nails generally go wrong. Right. A lot of times people will go to start doing the dog's nails. Right immediately the first thing that they go to do is, is their mind is going to like, this is, this is going to be a shit show. Mm-hmm. Right. So they wrangle up the dog. They're wrestling the yeah. dog simultaneously <laughs> trying to grab the clippers or the Dremel and, and grind the nails. Yeah. And immediately right off the rip, the very first th- thing that you do is you create a ton of conflict and make a big fight. Mm. Right. Yep. And the dog's already in a state of fight. Right, because mm-hmm. you created this fight. They're trying to get away from you while the dog is trying to get away from you before you ever get them under control. You're trying to grind the nails and it just, nothing goes well with it. You never end on any success. You barely ever be able to get the nails actually done and it's just a disaster. Right? Yeah. So with this dog in particular, by simply before she worried about actually grinding the nails, having a couple introductory things we did to make sure we had the dog under control, the dog wasn't trying to flee us, we had the dog comfortable with us, we introduced the tool, then we started grinding the nails. Mm-hmm. What wound up happening is all of that anticipation of fight went away and he was able to relax into the nail trim. We were able to get everything done and end on a really positive note where next time is going to be 10 times easier for him. Yeah. Right. So the step-by-step approaches are really important. And every time I do a dog's nails, I go through the same step-by-step approach, right? The only difference is the more you do it, the less time you have to take on each step. Like all the, like maybe the four introductory steps leading into actually grinding the dog's nails. Maybe I can get through them in like 10 seconds because the dog is already in such a stable state of mind, but I'm still mentally checking those boxes when I go to do it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <clears throat> I thought that was a, a cool comment, obviously, that we got on that. Yeah. <clears throat> and it, it does make a lot of sense because it's like, you know, you you always put it on the dog, but really it's it's your mindset of how you're going, you're approaching <clears throat> it because you know, like, like you said, you know, you... You think, oh God, he's gonna squirm around. He's gonna do all this. So you are, you're already like your mindset is just kind of like making everything worse at the end of it. Hundred <clears> percent. It's the same thing we see that a lot with like treadmill training is another one we made a video on recently where I broke down like a five step process for treadmill training your dog, mm-hmm. and it, it's the same deal where a lot of people's gut thing when they go to like, all right, well I'm gonna start treadmill training my dog is they turn the treadmill on, they get the dog on it, and they just force the dog to start walking, (laughs) right? Yeah. And with some dogs that'll work, with other dogs that'll create just a whole disaster on your hands where we've got, same deal, a step-by-step approach you could follow to prepare the dog for what it is that you're about to actually work on, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So preparation is everything with this kind of stuff. And I, I, like I said, I wanted to highlight that specific comment because I thought it was really cool that somebody could take our YouTube video, obviously. And because of the way we broke it down for them, find success with their dogs. And if you guys are struggling with nail trims with your dogs, I highly recommend that you actually give it a go, right? Because you might be surprised at uh, how well it goes. Mm -hmm. Dremels are pretty inexpensive too, if you don't have one. Yeah, I mean, you could get, there's a couple, there's a couple good ones out there. You can get... um, like a regular Dremel, like I think it's called the Dremel. There was one called the Dremel Light that we used to use. I don't know if they mm-hmm. make it anymore, though. I think the newest one that's similar to that is the Dremel Mini, which yeah. is pretty nice. 
Uh, and then we use like their heavy duty one that they sell yeah. just because obviously we grind a gazillion dog's nails <laughs> yeah. per, per day. And what wound up happening is with the cheaper ones, it had like a little like plug in to charge it. Mm-hmm. And because we had to like unplug it and plug it in like 10 <laughs> times a fucking day, the the port broke, yeah. right? It kept breaking because we were just constantly uh, like... Yeah, having to charge yeah, it. Yeah. So the heavy duty ones they sell have like an actual detachable battery, like a drill or something yeah. that you just charge. Yeah. So we, we purchased those and those ones haven't let us down yet yeah exactly <clears throat> okay so next question here is this was on a video that we posted um really great socialization video working with a dog with some social issues right um and the dog started off very very apprehensive and nervous and a little bit aggressive towards the other dogs and ended playing with other dogs right and this was a really interesting question that we got on it right so this person said can I ask why you want this dog to play with other dogs? Does the person want to go to the dog park? Because he doesn't seem aggressive. He just seems like I don't want to play with you. <clears throat> so basically in a nutshell, this person is asking why, why would we, you know, and if mm. the owner doesn't intend to socialize their dog all the time, mm-hmm. why would we, spend all this time and all this conflict helping these dogs overcome social issues, which is a fair question, I think. Okay. You know, Uh, I talk a lot about, you know, focusing on only what owners need, right? And, you know, this would kind of fall into that category of if the dog doesn't live with other dogs and doesn't have a bunch of dogs that needs to be playing with all the time, Mm -hmm. why would we spend all this time socializing the dog, right? Yeah. So here's the way that I look at socialization, right? Mm Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Let me gather my thoughts for this one because it requires a little bit deeper of, of a response to it, mm-hmm. right? Let's say we have a dog that just isn't great with other dogs, right? Okay. And that dog is having zero issues anywhere else in its life, but when we go to introduce it to other dogs, the dog just doesn't do well. Very nervous, apprehensive, reactive, aggressive, whatever it may be. But again, Mm -hmm. zero issues anywhere else. Yeah. Right? In that situation, I would say that I still think it's important to socialize the dog because, like, like why would we not want our dog to feel more confident in the presence of other dogs. Yeah. Right? Like it's 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 one of those things where it's not like a trick where it's like, you know, like teach this dog this trick for absolutely no reason, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like like things that make dogs really really uncomfortable like socializing with other dogs, mm-hmm. right? I like we want them to overcome those hurdles. Like mm-hmm. if you were just, you know, you hated being around people, mm-hmm. right? But you don't really need to go out around people that often like we would still want you to improve on your social skills when you're around other people because like you still gotta go to the store yeah and just look at how much enjoyment like like some dogs get from interacting with other dogs yeah right or yeah there's times where like maybe your dog's not displaying any sort of problems towards other dogs but like when you're walking down the street and they see other dogs yeah you know they might be sitting there thinking all these you know bad thoughts and being uncomfortable and stuff like that and they're not displaying it in any particular way but they obviously don't like other dogs so so that could be a problem i don't know you know it's it's i just feel like i look at how much benefit some dogs get from social interaction and i think 
in talking to a lot of owners that have dogs that they don't socialize with other dogs mm -hmm. and have accepted the fact that they'll probably never let their dog play with other dogs, a lot of times they only get into that state of mind because of their dog's behavior. Mm -hmm. They essentially accept, all right, my dog is dog aggressive and doesn't like being around other dogs and he'll never enjoy being around other dogs. So I'm just never going to give him that outlet. And this, this question kind of goes hand in hand with like when we were talking about the providing enrichment for your dog. And sometimes we can get too trapped in this box of like our house, right? Mm -hmm. In our neighborhood and never providing new experiences and stuff for our dog. And socialization is one of the best ways you could provide enrichment for dogs. So yeah. if there's an ability to help a dog overcome these types of things, and especially in a dog's case like this, right? Like this dog, like was just really, really freaking nervous around other dogs. Mm -hmm. It's not that like he was necessarily an aggressive monster and just confident and like, oh, I'm just gonna go fuck this dog up over here or <laughs> like anything like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Like most of the dogs we meet that have social issues, they're just nervous around other dogs. Mm -hmm. We know that once they get past that, if we put them in this situation enough, I know that they could learn to enjoy being around other dogs. Mm -hmm. And if I could provide this new thing in the form of socialization to help enrich their lives further, I just think they're going to be calmer and more content dogs because of it. Right. Mm. So that's the, that, that's the, the small percentage of the dogs that outside of socialization, right. They mm -hmm. have zero issues anywhere. I still think it's a fantastic way to be able to provide a better life for them and new enrichment opportunities for them past that by addressing this issue in a controlled way, like we're doing here, it puts us in a position where in emergency situations, if a dog gets into your yard, if a dog rushes you off leash, if you're out on a hiking trail and you think there's no other dogs around, but suddenly there's another dog that might come up to your dog, kind yeah. of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. You're a little bit more prepared for those types of things. Mm -hmm. You know, management works until it doesn't. And if we could work on our dog's social issues for the emergency situations where that might happen, you, it might not totally fix the problem, but it might give you a better fighting chance of it not going super poorly, right? Yeah. <clears throat> past that right most of the dogs we work with that we help overcome social issues have issues elsewhere right and a lot of times those issues elsewhere that these dogs see are going to be centered around socialization it's going to yeah. be reactivity towards other dogs mm -hmm. reactivity towards other people right yeah and i've always looked at reactivity for example under most cases if a dog is being reactive towards another dog right and it's a dog that is also dog aggressive or fear aggressive towards dogs, we could address the reactivity all day long, but the underlying cause of the problem that they inherently have with other dogs mm -hmm. is going to still be there. Yeah. And you're kind of working backwards by addressing it, like just the reactivity, mm -hmm. right? Where if we could fix the reason why they're being reactive, which is them having a problem social, they don't know how to interact properly with other dogs, yeah. it will make stopping the reactivity ultimately easier. Mm -hmm. Right. Because the underlying cause will be getting addressed. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And even in those cases, like many of those owners might not ever be socializing their dog outside of those situations. Yeah. But by making sure that we're addressing it just enough to get the dog to a neutral place where they don't have a problem inherently with dogs, it's going to make all those other issues they're having much easier to work through then at that point. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the way that I kind of look at it is whether you're gonna be socializing your dog all the time or not. Like a lot of these people will never socialize their dogs outside of when they come to our facility, mm -hmm. right? But we socialize them well enough where we could eliminate that issue and we could make when they see dogs out on the street that much less novel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, just, it just makes your job so much easier. Yeah, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It's like, if <clears throat> you can have any 
small ability to ha- even have time to react to a dog coming out of nowhere or a dog coming down the street, whereas your dog just immediately lit up and went crazy because he saw a dog. Now yeah. you have the ability to either navigate through that or maybe he won't even have a problem with the other dog walking down the street. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> that sounds like enough reason right there, just enough for me to, mm-hmm. to want my dog to have some sort of, sort of social skills. Yeah. And, and there's always a variable to it. You know, with reactivity, for example, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I talk a lot about how reactivity does not equal dog aggression. Right? Yeah. A lot of dogs that are really reactive to other dogs are the most social dogs in the world when you go to put them with other dogs. True. Right? And in that case, like, we don't really have a social issue that we have to work on. We just yeah. have to work on the impulse control for at sure. that point, right? Yeah. But there is a large percentage of dogs that are being reactive that you go to socialize them and they absolutely do not know what to do. They're absolutely terrified. Like this particular dog, we put him in his social, his tail could not have been more far tugged. He's <laughs> growling and snapping at every dog that comes near him. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, he's also really dog reactive, mm-hmm. right? So if you're telling me that that reactivity that he's displaying out on the walk, which is his way of creating space from other dogs, there's no way you could tell me that and this socialization problem are not correlated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if we could address it here and get him to a place where he likes interacting with other dogs, mm-hmm. why would he feel like he needs to keep the dogs away on the walk still? Yeah. Right. And again, you have to address both both ends of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. right? We still have to create accountability on the walk and address those reactivity problems, but addressing it here also will make that job easier. Yes. So, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I'm trying to, I can't remember the dog. I mean, this was years and years ago when I was still filming with you, but I I remember we were on a social kick for a a little bit and we had one dog that we just filmed out in the backyard, Mm -hmm. like, First time he'd probably ever been with more than one dog. And it was the same thing. It was just tuck tail and everything. And watching even like, I mean, it was like 15 minutes in there. Mm -hmm. You know, the first five minutes was all defensive, just like that. And then it was like the slow opening up, like, oh, no one's trying to kill me. Like, oh, I guess I can kind of sniff. And then it's the sniff and then to the, you know, you you really see the barrier. Like, I'm pretty sure that's what you said too. And it's like, we got to break the barrier down that they have this, everything's going to hurt me. But no, they're just trying to communicate with me. Mm -hmm. So I wish I could remember what video that was, but it was a good one. It's so interesting, man. Like socialization is is such a wild thing. And it's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things to do. And, and, you know, we've had a couple of videos lately where we've been able to really highlight that. And I like this one in particular because, dude, we sat outside with this dog for like an hour and a half. We did like an hour and a half long social with him. And the entire thing was filmed on that video <clears throat> that we made. And you could, you see his walls coming down, you know, mm-hmm. you see him going from being so freaking guarded initially, yep. right? And just expecting yep. something terrible to happen, you yeah. know, like some dog was going to come over and, and try to kill him or something, <laughs> I know. right? And then by the end of it, he was playing. Mm-hmm. He was literally playing by the end of this, Yep. right? And, and that just kind of answers the question myself of like, why would we spend all this time with it? Is because we, we were able to take these totally irrational fears that this dog had and whether you're going to socialize them or not, mm-hmm. right? We took all these irrational fears and we helped him view a situation that he had such a toxic viewpoint on so differently by the end of it. Yeah. And to say that's not going to help build his confidence in other areas of his life is, it's just not, you know, it yeah. will, right? Mm-hmm. So that's exactly. why. Yeah, that's a good one. 
I like that one. Yeah, I like that one. It's like I said, it's an interesting <clears> question. <throat> I know I kind of commented on it and, and got into that a little bit, but um, yeah. you know, just providing a little bit more of my two cents on why we would spend the time doing yeah. that is so essential. And mm-hmm. then from an owner standpoint, I'm going to ride on this a little bit longer. Okay, right? <laughs> we've got a lot of dogs that come to us that the owners just the owners will never overcome the the emotional barrier of socializing the dog on their own and that's okay because mm-hmm. you don't need to socialize your dog all the time yeah. but they board their dog with us all the time they do daycare with us all the time and the amount of joy that it provides owners knowing that these dogs that they have that previously they thought were monsters that they mm-hmm. would never be able to socialize ever that that they could see even if they're not the ones doing it they could see their dog not being that yeah You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The confidence that provides for an owner to then go out and, and and maybe break down some of their own walls that they have, Yeah, you know, and provide better, more things for their dog. Um, I think is extremely important as well. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. Okay. So a couple of these questions were all on that video. This is uh, this is a, this is another good one. Mm. Okay. So this person said, would you say that this is just the type of dog that eventually will be a great helper dog for others? My experience is just that, in that the dog has an innate understanding of where the reactive dog is coming from. Hmm. So they're, they're saying like once this, this dog <coughs> is, has figured out its social sphere, that you can use that dog to help other dogs figure it out as well because it came from the same spot. It's kind of what they're saying. Yes. I agree with that. Do you? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Okay. Why, let me ask you, why okay. do you why do you agree with that? I don't know. I, I feel like well, I don't maybe I don't agree in the same sense that like they're gonna go to the dog and be like, hey buddy, I've been there before, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I don't think that. I but I, I think maybe that dog has gotten far enough along that you could use him in the future. I get what you're saying. You know? But I, yeah, I'm not like I'm not doing that. Hey, bu- hey buddy. <laughs> hey, buddy. I, I I used to be just like you. Yeah, you know? yeah. They go have like a little pep talk. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> okay, so so from that light. I could understand your perspective and probably this person's perspective on it from the mm-hmm. standpoint of like, okay, cool. Well, like, can this dog improve enough to the point where, cause, cause we could reframe this question and this, I don't know if it's exactly what this person meant, but you could yeah. reframe this question. Like, you know, do you think that this dog can improve enough to hit a point where it could eventually help other dogs come out of their shell? Like you could use this dog to socialize other dogs. Yeah. Right. And the reason why I said no, I, there's a possibility, right? But mm. you get back to the risk to reward of certain situations. I don't think that that would be productive. And here's why, right? When I look at helper dogs, mm. what I would define as a helper dog is a dog that out of the box has a genetic complexion that causes them to be just really, really stable under 99.9% of circumstances. That's mm-hmm. This gets back to the way we categorize all of our dogs as social, supervised social, or non-social, right? Social meaning under 99.9% of circumstances, this dog is not going to be a problem. Yeah. They're not going to fight back if a mm-hmm. fight breaks out. They're not going to start a fight, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Supervised social are the ones that are good for the most part, but under select circumstances can regress back to starting a fight or being a part of a fight or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And then non-social or we call them trainer social dogs are the ones we're still determining. Right. 
generally speaking, a dog is not going to move from non-social to supervised social to social because I know where they came from and I know that they have that propensity in them Mm -hmm. to start a problem still, right? Okay. So if I'm using a dog that is a supervised social dog to help other dogs, that starts becoming a big risk because I'm going to, by, by putting this supervised social dog in with another potentially supervised social dog, I run the risk of this new dog under the right circumstances can cause a problem. And this dog under the right circumstances could cause a problem. Mm. So I could run into a situation where a problem is created. That's both dogs fault. Yeah. Right. I can't supervise both of them Mm. effectively and safely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Past just that, Pass a safety standpoint of things. <clears throat> this dog's issues stem from him not trusting other dogs. Him thinking other mm-hmm. dogs are going to do unpredictable and scary things. Okay. So we're able to help him overcome that by putting him with safe and sound dogs that are going to reassure him that scary, unpredictable, unsafe things are not going to happen, which will allow his confidence to build and allow him to flourish. So then once I make all this progress, if I then start putting him with dogs that do unpredictable, scary things, Mm, it starts setting you back again. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. This is like we talked a lot about the <clears throat> the the Beckman videos, right? And uh dude, that video that we made is still fucking pot like that yeah. is slowly building to be one of our like most viewed podcasts <laughs> at this is. point. And I still get shit over it all the time, man. You go read the fucking comments on it. It's, it's funny. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but um the one thing that I said was by him using his helper dog, Prince, right? I personally think that Prince's threshold two other dogs doing annoying things based on the video that I watched, my assumption is his threshold is going to come down over time Mm. because you're putting him in these situations where unpredictable things are happening to him all the time. Mm -hmm. So you have to constantly be on edge. It's like if every time you came here, Josh, there was always somebody that was going to act a little bit fucking weird to you. (laughs) Okay. Right? Yeah. If that happened every single time you yeah. ever came here to this house, yeah. at some point you're going to start walking into the house with your guard up a little bit like, who's the fucking person that's going to do something really annoying to me? Yeah. And am I going to need to tell him to shut the fuck up and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? No, true. Yeah. So that same deal happens with dogs. And if you have a dog that already isn't extremely genetically sound, it's mm-hmm. going to be much more detrimental to their social progress mm. if that's happening to them all the time. Yeah. Which is why I would never use a dog like that as a helper dog. That makes sense. So. I get, get what you're saying. <clears throat> the only exception to that would be like there are some dogs that we don't know what their social skill is mm. and the owner may have had issues with the dog in the past but it's due to like improper introductions and a bunch of like outside variables that aren't really a good indicator on the dog's social success. And we could help socialize them to a point where we're like, oh, okay, no, this actually is a really good social dog. We've just put them in a lot of really bad situations. (laughs) A dog like that, I could progress to a point to being a helper dog at some point. For sure. Cool. So, and I also though, like another sidebar thing is just the whole helper dog situation in general I get what people mean when they say it, which is like, do you have a go-to dog that it's like, you know what? 
Like this dog I could use as a good distraction. This dog is pretty stable and under control. So I could have them in the corner in a bed stay while I'm working a reactive dog. They can mm -hmm. interact properly with other dogs. Like I understand what they're saying, but I think the more you lean on one dog to be your helper dog in all situations, mm -hmm. getting back to the example that I used with like Prince, right? Um, I, I really think you could, I, th I really think over time it could be a little too much for most dogs. You know, that makes sense. So I'm not, I'm not super into the the helper dog thing, and I think that, you know, if you're going to be using one dog for helping in situations like that, it should be like few and far in between, mm -hmm. right? That situation of them being around a really unstable dog should not be happening very, very frequently for them. Yeah. So. <clears throat> I get it, bro. My mouth is so dry. <laughs> I feel like I'm slamming this wall. You are, dude. That thing was full like. 20 minutes ago. 20, well, I guess we've been <coughs> I guess we've been recording for a little bit now. 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Woo! Time flies. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> what else we got here? Let's see. <sighs> you got anything else to say on that, Josh? I am not really. I mean, you 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 schooled me. I understand that. <laughs> I schooled you. <laughs> you know, yeah. I said, no, actually. Yeah, no. actually, you don't want to use them, but. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just thinking of a point, I guess, of, uh, you know, like maybe years down the road. Like <clears throat> this dog has never shown anything else after, you know, the initial resocialization or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, would would you ever feel safe at that point? Yeah, I mean, there's always exceptions. Yeah. Right? Like there's there's a possibility that this dog just absolutely transforms through proper healthy socialization yeah. over 2 years, you yeah. know. There's no problems, you know. They're really confident. I've seen them in enough situations where other dogs have like put some pressure on them and they yeah. handled it well. Mm -hmm. It's always possible. I'm not going to say no. Yeah. But as a general rule of thumb, I would look at like this dog and say like, why would I want to risk it? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it's not even a safety thing. It's not even like I'm scared that this dog is going to go and like fuck up another dog or something. Right. Yeah. It's more of just like, why would I want to do anything that could potentially set him back? Yeah. You know, after you put all this hard work into building his confidence, yeah. why would I want to potentially put him with an unstable dog where it's going to really spook him again? Yeah. That's you know? true. Yeah. I, definitely I just don't it. see the point, you know? There's no I point. I mean, we see how rapidly situations can transform dog social skills. Like yeah. We have people all the time that come in that are like, you know, I used to take my dog to the dog park for two years, and they were great. And then one day they got, like, brutally attacked at the dog park and just were never the same again. Yeah. You know? And it's like, I don't want that to happen to my dog, right? Especially one that I put all sorts of work into. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't see the, I don't see the point. Makes total sense. Um, this is another one, um, same, same shit, right? Same video. They said this was a good session. The only difference between this and a dog park is that you don't put random dogs together, which creates fights. So it actually helps the dog. Um, I, I like every time I get a comment like this, I always like elaborating on the dog park thing for people. So this is just kind yeah. of a quick little one on that. Okay. So, so yeah, so I always tell everybody dog parks are such a fantastic idea in theory, yeah. right? If there were a central place that people can get their dogs together to interact and have healthy socialization with other dogs, I think it would be wonderful. And that's what we try to strive for through our daycare and through our boarding and stuff is having that place people could take their dogs to socialize them. Mm -hmm. The issue with dog 
dog parks is one. Yes, you don't know the dogs that are there, right? How I described how we categorize dogs. There's, there's no sort of person that dictates what dogs are good to go together and what dogs aren't good to go together, mm -hmm. right? There's no central authority figure that eliminates the outside variables that create fights. So food, toys, and affection, mm -hmm. um, obviously sanitary concerns, vaccination concerns, um, you know, every owner is, it's kind of up to them in order to manage their dog socially, which everybody is going to be, have a, a very, very subjective view on what that is. Yeah. You know? Very much so. So they're just, they're just unfortunately just not a great idea. So yeah, that's it. I don't, I think that was all I really wanted to say on that one. <laughs> <clears throat> and then this is a different one. This comment was on the last podcast we did where we've been talking about the emotional side of dogs a little Ooh, bit, okay. right? And I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this person is kind of trying to fight for, you know, dogs are more complex than I'm making them see. And mm. basically asked, he said, I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on when a human is sick and the dog seems to want to comfort their human or when a human being is attacked and their dog without any training immediately goes into protection or when a human dies and the dog seems to mourn their death. Mm. <clears throat> I'm going to try to think how you're going to answer this. Because I think you're going to say it's not because they care. None of them are because of what you think. Yeah. What do you think it is? You got any I, ideas? No. Um, I mean, I think it's just uh, not... I don't want to say it's like a resource guard. Sure. Okay, sure. So I'm going to go backwards. Yeah, this, go, go right? backwards on it. So the, this one. When a human dies and the dog seems to mourn the death, right? Yeah. Or we could say when a dog dies and the dog seems to mourn the death. We mm -hmm. see that one a lot. Is you lose one dog in the household and the other dog is an emotional mess then after that. Okay. Right? Almost 100% of the time when I see either of these two situations happen... It's 100% due to the fact that the living human that is still in the house acts 1,000% different, which puts the dog into a very, very emotionally unstable state of mind, mm. right? Mm -hmm. With other dog, like let's say you, there's a dog in the house and one of them dies and the other one lives obviously right yeah. and that dog starts becoming a mess after that nine out of ten times it's because the human is an emotional mess any structure rules and accountability generally goes out the window and they project all of those emotions they're feeling onto that dog the dog doesn't know how to process them because again human dog two different species mm. and because the dog doesn't know how to process them they're confused they're they're they're, they're unstable and they just melt because of it mm. And the same exact thing happens with a human dying. Let's say your spouse dies, and then you take all those emotions and you project them onto the dog, right? Mm. Creates a massive, massive, massive problem. Okay. They're not mourning the death of the other person. They just don't know what to make of all of the change happening in the house. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because... just don't. I mean, all they see is this heightened sense of crazy emotion like what you're projecting onto the dog is just this heightened sense it. you become unpredictable mm. right your behavior is unpredictable it's weird the dog doesn't know what to make of it mm -hmm. you know okay 
uh, and it can create massive problems. Or if it's, let's say one of your, your partner dies, right? And that person was like the person that maintained the training and the disciplinarian and stuff like that, right? There's a huge then like power struggle that kind of comes up too. If the dog doesn't know who's in charge, yeah. right? The person that was always in charge isn't there anymore. Yeah. And it's not like they're mourning that person. They're just like, I don't know what's happening right now. This person isn't here anymore, mm-hmm. right? Dogs don't just understand like when you take their buddy to the vet to go get euthanized. You know what I mean? Like they mm-hmm. don't understand that like he doesn't go like, hey, bud, I'm going to the vet to to, uh, to cross the rainbow bridge. <laughs> I mean, like they just know that dog left and dog didn't come back. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's put it this way. Right. Because they don't understand it anymore that or you could say the same thing with a human. Human laughed, right? And fucking, you know, person never came, human never came back, Mm -hmm. right? They don't know that that person died, first off. Mm -hmm. Second off, there's times people bored one of their dogs for like two weeks, right? And if they were mourning that dog being gone, like you would see the exact same things, but you Mm -hmm. don't because you emotionally are acting the same in that situation. You Mm -hmm. know that person is going to be coming back or that dog is going to be coming back. Yeah. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That does. Did I answer that one clearly enough? I think so, yeah. I think, uh, actually, I think I have a good example of, uh, to, to make your case. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I come back, when I come back home and I come in the door, you know, Bender's like, ah, he's all excited. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, he loves me. He must love me so much. But if you, if I meet him outside, like, Let's say she was having a potty outside and I came home and I'm like, hey, and you know, he's like, oh, hey, for like two seconds. And he's like, whatever. And then we go inside and he's like, oh, it's all the same, you know? Yeah. It's just like what he's really cued to is like it's the me. routine. Yeah, the routine. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not me. It's just he's excited that someone's coming in the door and is like, oh, hey. But, you know, if he meets me before that, then it's like, whatever. Yeah, and listen, like, it could be centered around you still. Like, he could get yeah. more excited when you come home, oh, obviously. Yeah. Because, like, we talked about last time, like, like when we watched that video, like, the reward indicators in, like, dog's head, right? They can mm-hmm. be spiked more intensely by different things. True. There are different things that are more or less reinforcing yeah. to dogs than others. No different than there's different people that could be more or less rewarding to yeah. dogs than others. Right. Yeah. But this human concept of mourning the death of something. Yeah. Right. That we don't see. Dogs live very, very in the moment. Yeah. Very in the moment. I used to make the joke all the time. If I died right now and my dogs just went to somebody else, as long as that person maintained their training and the routines stayed the same, there would be no change in their behavior. They just wouldn't. Hmm. You know? And they would just never see me again. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's just the way it would work. Yeah. Right. It's not like after like six months, they would be like, wait a minute, dad's not here. Maybe something happened, right? They yeah. would just think like, this is just the routine that I'm in still. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's all good. And that's the way it works. And that's why we got a dog in right now. He's a long-term boarder. He's boarding for like two and a half months with us, Ooh. right? And this dog ain't acting any fucking different. You know what I mean? He's his normal self. He's not thinking, yeah. oh my God, where's dad? Right? Yeah. Like he must've died. <laughs> like it's, yeah. he's just with us for a long time, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, when yeah, when you think about any any like board and train, even a regular one, sure. you know, it's like what those first two days yeah. are usually crazy because you are changing their routine. Yeah, and the other thing too with like the board and train, for example, is the dog is not the dog is not anxious for the first couple of days because they're missing you. Yeah, they're not right. They're anxious for the first couple of days because they don't know what to make of their new situation. That's yeah. it. It has nothing to do with what's going on in the past. Yeah, because, sorry, 
over here talking away from the mic. Um, yeah, because as soon as they get acclimated, they're like, "Well, this is this is it. This yep. is the life." And yep. then, and then, yeah, like you said, they just get used to the environment for the five five weeks, right? <clears throat> yep. Four, yeah. four or five. Four, four yeah. or five. Whatever. Um, okay. So going back then. So next one. When a human is being attacked and their dog without any training immediately goes into protection. Okay. This is another really common one. And and this is one we have to explain to almost every single owner that comes in with a reactive dog that says, mm-hmm. I think my dog is protecting me. Mm-hmm. Right? Nine out of 10 times, the dog is not protecting you. They're protecting themselves. Mm. Most of these dogs are very apprehensive and when the human is being attacked it's a more intense spike in arousal okay and generally that dog is with the person the dog perceives the threat to them in that moment they feel the need to then defend themselves Mm. which is a normal primal dog behavior that has way less to do with you than you think that it does and it has almost everything to do with the dog in that moment Mm. the one out of ten percent of the time of that's not that nine out of 10% of the time is when the dog has developed an association so strongly of you being just a resource to them Mm -hmm. that yes, any sort of, we see it, dogs do the same shit whether the person is being attacked, whether somebody's hugging them. We see it all the time where if their partner picks the person up, that's Mm -hmm. a big trigger for them. It's when somebody is stealing or presenting themselves as a threat to that resource and it has absolutely nothing to do with your being attacked so they have to protect them Mm -hmm. and it has everything to do with the dog thinks that you're taking that resource from them. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Which is a very primal, normal thing for dogs to protect what is theirs. Yeah. It's not like, we're family, bro. <laughs> I got to protect you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not that. <laughs> it's like, you give me food. Yeah. I need to so keep you. You are my resource. Yeah. Right? Got to keep you safe so I can keep getting fed. So that is um, 100% what that situation is as well. Okay. Right? That one is really cut and dry. And then the other one, when a human is sick and the dog seems to want to comfort their human, bro, they don't. No. They're not looking to comfort you. They just think, wow, you're sick and you're, you're home all day. You usually yeah. go to work. Yeah. Right? We get to lay on the couch and watch movies all day together. Yeah. Like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? They're going to stick more closely to them. And generally, when you're sick, I do this with my fucking dogs. If I'm home sick from work and I'm sitting on the couch, I'm like, Vera, come yeah. here. <laughs> like, come lay on the couch. Yeah. You know, like I start like smothering her with affection. I'm like, we're going to cuddle on the couch and watch TV all day. And in their mind, they're just like, fuck yeah, yeah this yeah. is cool. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I'll take this shit. Yeah, right? this is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not like, you know, like looking at like, I need to make sure my, I need to, do, oh, do you yeah. want some chicken noodle soup? Can I make you some chicken noodle soup? Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not like looking after you because they know that, that yeah. you're sick. Right? Yeah. They just know that you're there and they're like, oh, you're there. You're providing extra attention. Right. Yeah. And of course, dogs that like that are going to want to stick extra close to that. Right. Yeah. But all of these things, every single one of these things is centered around this idea that as your behavior changes, the dog's behavior changes. Yeah. Right. So you are the one controlling all of these differences with the dog. It has nothing to do with the dog, like intrinsically thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. through all of these situations in a very human like way like that. Yeah. So I agree. So that's that. Yeah. I think we're an hour in now. Yeah. I think that's just about it. Cool. 
which kind of, you know, what's funny is I, I was going to, I was, oh shit, I sent you a video that I wanted to talk about, Tim and I, that we forgot to talk about. Didn't you? I did. Oh shit, man. That's, that was a good one too. We got to do that next time. You got to okay. remember because that's going to take too long for me because I'm going to go on a fucking <laughs> rant when we oh, talk yeah? about that one. Yeah. Where did you send it to me? It's Instagram. Where is it? I think I might've sent it from the miracle page. Or did I text it? I might text it because the last thing I got from the Miracle page is this giant burrito. (laughs) Bro, how good did that look? (laughs) It looks so good. With a giant fucking rib in it. Yeah. That's so Texas. Where is it? Oh, God. That was so good. Where was it? I don't see it in our text either, though. Oh, did I say? I see the problem is I. Okay, yeah. We'll remember next we'll time. We'll remember next time. I can tell you really want to go in on it. <sighs> yeah, there's just no... That, I, I don't have enough of a voice to do it right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I need a whole nother fucking jug of this water. To yeah. For it. All right, next time we're going to react to a couple new videos. I haven't done... Listen, I, I try to stay away from the reacting to people's videos. And yeah. like, you know, when it's not going to be like a positive thing at this point. I'm trying, <laughs> trying to change my ways, yeah. you know? But there were a couple of Instagram videos that have popped up lately that I've just been like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah, and I haven't watched it that. yet either. And maybe we'll, well I, we can't really hide it because the person's right in the video. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, maybe we'll like block out their name. But I was like, yeah, people are going to know who this is because I think this person is a pretty followed individual. Oh, really? So, oh, so yeah, so that's what we got. So those are my, uh, those are my hot takes on some of the comments we've had in lately. Hope you guys enjoy it. Damn. Hot cakes or hot takes and pot cakes. Hot takes and pot cakes. <laughs> that's your in your life lately. I like it. <laughs> <clears throat> all right cool well well that's all i got it was good i like the i think this is the best thing is um it feels like there's really a community growing yeah within the youtube space you know these questions are like things that we've you know we've we've kind of had touches on but they're they're like their own spins and it's it's cool to see these fresh questions coming in that that we've never had to answer yeah and the engagement's great so i love it i like it yeah keep him busy in the morning everybody all right guys (laughs) catch you later we'll see you